Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hey friends, I can hardly believe it, but today's episode marks a huge milestone. It's number 100. When I launched this show back in January 2019, I couldn't imagine this far into the future. I was excited that I'd have a 13-episode first season. Getting that first season done was a challenge because approaching women who didn't know me well to say, will you have a conversation with me about your sex life? Elicited looks that ranged from puzzled to scandalized. I had nothing to offer them to demonstrate the depth or sensitivity with which I wanted to handle the topic. So many of them assumed, understandably, that it would be terribly salacious. And the rest said, I don't have anything interesting to talk about. Now I have a track record. So fears about salaciousness can be quelled pretty easily. Plus, I love it when listeners let me know they want to be guests. But it remains a challenge to convince people that I'm not looking for wild stories about orgies, though I'll happily accept them if they show up. I'm just looking for ordinary, everyday women to talk about a topic that has been hidden under the covers for far too long. So here we are. 100 episodes later, I'm incredibly proud of this collection of stories, and I'm raring to start the next 100. In fact, as I record this, the next 11 interviews have already been recorded. So thank you for joining me in this journey. If you've never left a rating or review, I'd be really appreciative of you doing that. I don't ask often anymore, but those ratings and reviews are really meaningful as social proof to others that this podcast is worthwhile. Okay, let's dive into today's episode. When I finished this interview with Arblia, I went onto Instagram and posted in my stories, every once in a while, someone crawls into my heart during an interview, and I don't want the conversation to end. I just had one of those. I'm so happy to finally be able to share this conversation with you and for it to land as our landmark 100th episode. Arblia is Asian Hmong American. It can be challenging to get Asian women to speak with me, both because of cultural prohibitions and also because Asian women experience such intense sexual fetishization that this conversation is exponentially more vulnerable for them than it is for a middle-class white woman like me. 
So when Arblia contacted me to say that she's a fan of the show and was considering doing an interview, I made sure we got a time on the calendar immediately before she could change her mind. And I'm so glad we did, because I got a glimpse into a world that I knew nothing about. One important note before we get started. In this episode, you'll hear a story that might lead you to make assumptions about how all Hmong families function or how all Hmong men treat girls. And I want to caution against that. Arblia is one woman with one story. Her experience is not representative of an entire culture or ethnic group any more than you and your family are representatives of your entire culture, race, or religion. Arblia is a 27-year-old cisgender female. She describes herself as straight, monogamous, and partnered with her boyfriend of five years. She describes her body as average, though by white American standards, many of us would probably consider her quite petite. I'm so pleased to introduce Arblia. Arblia, I am thrilled to have you on today. I, I told you before we started recording that um, it's a challenge to find women of Asian descent who are interested in doing this podcast. And and there are a lot of reasons for that. And I understand them. But it makes me all the more excited when an Asian woman steps up and says, yes, I would like to do an interview. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you so much for everything that you do. Your podcast was the reason I'm here. Well, well I'm very excited to talk to you and hear your story. Um, and as you know, because you are a listener, uh, I start all of my conversations in the same place, which mm-hmm. is what is your first memory of sexual pleasure? Yeah, um, I love this question because um, it was the question that did it all for me that, you know, everything started making sense, you know? Mm. Yeah, because I've, I've never thought of it. The m- more episodes I start listening to, the more I start kind of answering along with your guess <laughs> in my own head. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I, I know this. Like, it's all coming together. But um, my first memory of sexual pleasure was uh, around four or five years old. And my my parents were newly immigrants, and I had, like, three other siblings. So there were four of us. So I came here when I was, like, seven months old. Mm-hmm. And all my siblings, we were all born back to back. And... I think it happened um, during bath time. Kids are annoying during bath times. <laughs> you just <laughs> you just want to get them in, and they don't want to go in. But when they're in, they don't want to come out. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, how my mom would give us bath, um, she would just have all of us go into the tub, um, and then she would go down the line, like the assembly line. <laughs> yeah. You know, shampoo hair down the line. La la la. And uh, I think she meant she was soaping us our body and uh, she must have accidentally slipped her finger down there or something. And it was totally like innocent, you know, and I'm just kind of like, oh, like that kind of tickles. Like it, it felt good, you know, Yeah. but I'm just like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> and soon after that, I was just trying to replicate that, um, that feeling yeah. and, uh, and, I guess I start masturbating at that young of an age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And so did you, did you come to something that you would now recognize as an orgasm? Um, probably. Yeah. yeah. What did you think about what you were doing? Did you have any sense that this was something that was maybe not to be talked about or did it not cross your mind? Um, no, it didn't cross my mind at first until, uh, my dad made fun of me for it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he made fun of me for it. And then, um, I, you know, I, cause I was just doing it out in the open during like TV dinner and I was just, the way that I masturbated, it, um, I lay on my side and then I would cup my, uh, vulva with my hand and then I would like kind of, uh, with my thighs, just kind of like making like, you know, tense them up, you know, mm-hmm. back and forth, kind of just to create like that vibration down there. And, you know, I, I look like a little kid seizing on the floor. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then uh, one night we were, you know, having TV dinner and um, I was probably on the floor doing that. And they probably know I was masturbating, but they didn't really know how to go about it. So my dad ended up making fun of me. He was just like, why do you do that? And then he kind of mocked the way I was <gasps> masturbating. Oh, and no. um yeah, and he was just like, why do you do that? Don't do that. I'm like, that I'm like, oh, I don't know why I do that. I don't know. Like I did I guess I didn't realize well at the time I didn't know that it was for pleasure. I, it just felt good, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know. I guess I shouldn't do this out in the open. And uh, I still did it out in the open, but under a blanket. (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like he, he said that in a way that was joking enough that you didn't take on a huge amount of shame about it. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for dad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My, my dad's a pretty funny guy. He jokes around a lot. Um, I knew that I sh- shouldn't be just doing it out in the open. And for some reason, my five, six year old brain thinks doing it under the blanket, <laughs> nobody would see. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and did you see any of your other siblings doing anything that looked like masturbation? Probably just my brother playing with his penis. But <laughs> other than that, I don't have any memory of uh, my younger sisters doing anything. Yeah. So you were sort of the rebel in the group. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Did any of them come to you at any point and say, like, what is this thing you're doing? Like, were they curious? No. Everyone's kind of doing their own thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So... You come from a very different culture than my own. So there are going to be some questions I don't even know to ask. But just at the beginning, I want to ask, what kinds of cultural messages were you receiving about sex and sexuality as a child and a teenager? Uh, well, sex and marriage it, like, is a package. Uh, you either have... Do you either get married to have sex or you have sex to get married? Um, <laughs> yeah. In the Hmong culture, it's saving face and saving your name is a very big thing. So if there's these two lovers who aren't allowed to be together because their parents don't like each other or that, I don't know, dumb issues, um, 
sometimes they would have sex and because once you have sex for a girl in the Hmong culture for a girl once you have sex premarital sex you lose your value and if um the guy doesn't marry you then you're kind of out of luck mm. and because you know like nobody wants you because you're no longer a virgin you're no longer pure so in the Hmong culture is the same emphasis put on that for boys? Like once you've had sex, then you are done <laughs> or is there more? No, no, boys can do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's so yeah. annoying. <laughs> Did you grow up in a Hmong community surrounded by other people who had the same values and belief system? Yeah, and um, it's mostly family because uh, in the Hmong culture, uh, family is a big thing, and we do we gather in large, large groups, and uh, you know, gossip happens. So if you have premarital sex, people are gonna talk. Everyone's gonna know, mm -hmm. and then um, you're out of luck. And you, if you're lucky, if like maybe uh, a widow man would mm -hmm. want you, you know, and that's like the best you could have. Mm -hmm which is really sad. But. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this sounds like the kind of messaging that's so pervasive, you would have gotten it even as a young child. Is that true? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And even in uh, movies, like Hmong movies, that's all it's all about. Relationship, sex, and um, the culture around, around it all, you know? Yeah, sure. So at what point did you start hearing that message and thinking, I don't know if this works for me? Because I'm assuming mm. since you're in a five-year relationship, <laughs> yeah. that this is a message <laughs> you have not taken on because you're not married. So yeah. at what point did you begin to think, eh, maybe not? Before my current boyfriend, I was dating for four years with another mm -hmm. with another guy. And we were fresh out of high school and uh, we were going to college and we didn't have sex. We, we wanted to wait for marriage because that's, you know, we wanted to do it right. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> um, and there was a lot of sexual tension though, like a lot. <laughs> but if I were to have premarital sex and then, um, my parents would, you know, lose face because I was, they didn't raise me right. Mm. So it reflected on the parents parenting and their morals and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. We had sex once towards the end of our relationship because uh, I thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to marry him anyways. And there was just so much sexual tension built up. And I was off to college. I have my own place. My parents aren't there. Nobody will know. Uh, it was just between the two of us, you know. You know, it was consensual. Both of us agreed. Um, yeah, I... It wasn't impressive <laughs> as <laughs> what I thought it would be, you know, from all the stories and like, uh, I want to go back again, because I, I sort of took you out into the future a little bit. You said that you're inside a among community that is made up largely of family groups. So where would there even have been somebody for you to meet who was appropriate for you to date? Marriage within relatives is actually traditionally preferred. Oh. Let's see, like, not like my first cousins or anything like mm -hmm. that, but it's okay for me to marry my mom's cousin 
mm-hmm. or my mom's uncle or something like that. It's okay for my brother to marry like my dad's aunt's daughter or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the reason for that is mainly because, um, just to keep the family close, knit tight. And if drama ever comes up, you know, they could keep a hush hush because <laughs> it's within the family, you know? Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. So it sounds like this, um, prohibition on premarital sex is a, cultural and social edict rather than a religious edict. Is that true? Yes. So there's mm-hmm. not like this idea that God will be mad at you if. No. Mm-mm. Our religion is uh, shamanism. And uh, that's more the spiritual of worshiping our ancestors for good luck and for wealth and all that stuff. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing other than that. Mm hmm. Were you going to uh, an English, uh, an American school, or were you going to a school within the Hmong community? Um, no, it was just um, a regular public school. Public school. Mm-hmm. That's the word I was looking yeah. for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Did you get sex ed in school at all? Um, just a typical separate boys and girls, and <laughs> this is the vulva, vagina, yeah. you don't Drugs, don't have sex, pregnancy, <laughs> all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, just the very typical stuff. Yeah. Pregnancy prevention, disease yes. prevention. Mm-hmm. That's about yep. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. So what did you know about birth control going into your first relationship? Were you like, did you understand what the various options were? And did you have access to them? No, because I... It was clear to me that I wanted to wait for marriage, so I didn't care f- to look up anything about birth control or I didn't need to worry myself about all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, you mentioned that you had a boyfriend in high school. Yeah, we were together for almost four years. Mm-hmm. So you were with him from your junior year through your – did you go to college, your sophomore year of college? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. right about there. Mm-hmm. Do you remember your very first kiss? Maybe it was with the boy before my freshman year. I think it was him. Yeah. Uh, we went to uh, a college prep program like mm-hmm. three hours away from home. I think it was my first kiss. Yeah. I was very forward with my sexual desires. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell yeah, me more. It, I think kind of scared him a little bit. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, there wasn't, I mean, there wasn't, like, it was just, like, a lot of body-to-body, like, hugging and just, I remembered um, uh, the girls stayed on the first floor and then the boys stayed on the two floors above us at the dorm mm-hmm. college that we were at. And everybody kind of hangs out in the basement where the all the activity, the lounges and all that. And, oh, he would walk me up to my floor and... Uh, we were in the stairway and I just wanted to just touch and like, like be close and intimate. And, um, you know, I wanted to be like pushed against the wall and like, <laughs> like in the movies and like French kiss me, you yeah. know? <laughs> and, but no, he, uh, I think I was the one that had to push him against the wall. <laughs> and, um, uh, I think I was the one that kissed him. And I, I just wanted to like buy slammed him. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, 
And I remember him commenting, well, like, isn't this a little too fast? And, but I don't remember saying anything else or in return. I just, just kind of continued that. And then for like a couple of minutes and then we just kind of went our ways. But yeah, yeah I, I must have scared him a little. <laughs> <laughs> Did you enjoy the kiss itself? Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I adored him a lot. Um, so yeah, it was. It was fun. <laughs> and was he from the same culture that you are? Or was it? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. piece of he, it made sense. <laughs> yeah. So he was a little bit younger than me by like a year and a half. Well, no wonder so. you had to initiate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> uh, that's actually, that's such a sweet story. I love it. <laughs> I still wonder how he's doing it today and like if he remembers that at all. <laughs> Well, but. maybe when this is done, you can send him this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so uh, that happens before your freshman year. Then does anything else happen between freshman year and junior year when you um, meet your next boyfriend or your first boyfriend? Um, No, not really. I was kind of talking to guys, but... I didn't want to talk to them. Um, my my cousins were trying to hook me up with some of their her uh, their boyfriend's friends, and uh, I I was in a time where I'm just like I was not interested in guys. I just and I just didn't like male attention because of uh, the it's a part of the culture that just made me dislike the attention from men, and uh, I was just not interested at all in guys. So nothing much happened. Mm-hmm. Um, were you ever interested in any of the white boys or the, you know, <laughs> the boys mm-hmm. around you? Um, I've, I've always thought they were cute, but that's kind of as far as it goes. Uh, Cause at the time, uh, uh, interracial relationship was a big no, no in the Hmong culture. Yeah. Yeah. Is that still true? Yeah, there's still stuff going on. Um, people still shame on, uh, especially women, shame on women who is married to, uh, other races. Mm-hmm. Um, so next is the boyfriend who you met junior year. How did that relationship start? Uh, I think we had a um, school club for, uh, Hmong students and we had a meeting and I, I must have seen him around school like a couple times, but I just, I did not take notice of guys. I don't take notice of guys. And uh, I think that one day, like, I noticed him. Like, oh, he's kind of cute. So um, uh, I guess you could say I started stalking him. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to figure out what when his last class is so yeah. that I can accidentally bump into him and, like, make him notice me. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. It was that that kind of story. And, um. I was very obvious. So one day he, he walked me down to my locker and I'm just like, holy shit. Like it's something's happening. I'm like, whoa, like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then, uh, he had asked me if I had anything to say to him. And I was so nervous. I'm just, I just stayed quiet the whole time. And I'm just like, and then after that, like, I stopped, like, I didn't see him in the hallway as much anymore. And I was just like, holy shit, like, is he avoiding me? I'm like, oh, I was so 
uh, broken hearted for that <laughs> by that. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should have said something. Like it could have gone somewhere. And then um a couple weeks, oh, was it maybe a couple of days later? Uh, it felt like weeks, but probably just a couple of days <laughs> later. Um, he walked me down again and uh, he asked me the same question question. And um, uh, I said, I like you very much. And he's like, okay, I know that. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's kind of a dick move, I think. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, you made me feel all this anxiety for just to say I know, you know? Yeah. Um, that was but, really, really brave of you to say those yeah. words. Super brave. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and especially for a girl um, growing up where we're discouraged to express our feelings or to, you know, speak our mind hold our tongue, be that kind of docile, submissive, you know, um, yeah. And so, yeah, so that was really hard for me to say, but I said it and, um, yeah, we started dating a little bit after that. And you said that there wasn't sex. Was there fooling around? No, just more like just hugs and just being lots of kisses uh, touching, but we never went down to the genital area. Mm -hmm. I don't remember him being around my breasts at all, I think, because, um, I think we were trying to respect that boundary or just, so just lots of makeout sessions. Yeah. <laughs> and so you said with the boy before freshman year that you just wanted him to throw you up against the wall. Yeah. Is that, <laughs> was that something that they did in high school? Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted that. I even had like dreams about like, um, you know, that strong sexual feeling where I just, you know, I even had dreams where like, uh, I would set up something in the garage or something and we were accidentally stumbled upon, <laughs> like, upon it. And then, oops, we are accidentally more intimate than we yeah. should be. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> Did you tell him that these were your fantasies? No, no. Because I, when I was with him, I, he was more, uh, of mature, I guess. And I felt like I have to be mature with him. And that's, you know, the reason why I broke up with him because, uh, when I moved out for school, I realized who I really want to be, mm. you know. But when I was with him, um, I just felt like I have to be this prim and proper. I can't speak my mind. I didn't allow myself to have an opinion mm. with him. Mm -hmm. And he would, um, he's a, he's a great guy, but, um, he would try to ask questions to stimulate conversation. But because I was so scared that he was going to judge me for speaking my mind, uh, I just, I always end up really not answering his questions or just saying, I don't know. So it was f four years <laughs> long of that. And I thought I was going to marry this guy. So Were, before that last period, when you said you started to realize who you wanted to actually be, were you happy in that relationship? Mm -hmm. Or was there a sense of dissatisfaction? You know, I, I think there was a sense of dissatisfaction. Like I, I want to think of myself as I'm more fun and more joking kind of a person but he was mm -hmm. more serious so we were like kind of opposites yeah so definitely I wanted someone to flirt with and just be fun with um but he, uh, I remembered 
sending him a music video because I love music. You know, I love K-pop. I love music. And I sent it to him for the first time. And he's like, why did you send mm. me that? And I think that kind of that small moment just kind of solidified that, oh, I, I shouldn't share yeah. who I am with him uh, because, you know, like he's going to take it the wrong way or that something about me having to yeah. win his approval. I, I'm i thinking about what a big deal that is as a very young woman to mm-hmm. recognize that this isn't the person that I want to be in relationship. There are so many of us who didn't realize that until much, much later. And so I'm, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, partially, I just want to say, wow, that's really cool. <laughs> but, uh, but also, <laughs> I guess I'm curious, like, what do you think allowed you to have that level of self knowledge? Um, it was because of my, my current boyfriend. <laughs> oh, my ex boyfriend and I, we went to different college. So it was a long distance relationship for like a year and a half. And I thought we were doing okay. You know, I thought I was okay with who I was. Um, and honestly, my, my best friend at the time, I was so, I like shut her out ever since I started dating my, my ex-boyfriend. She could tell I was different, but I wasn't mm-hmm. able to. Um, but she couldn't have the heart to, say it to me because um you know she didn't want to lose me at the same time because she was already losing me and um mm. uh yeah and I didn't realize that until I moved here for college and I you know meeting new people new friends and um my boyfriend now he he started taking interest in me he started pursuing me and I guess Dare I say we got into an entanglement? Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I was emotionally drifting away from my four-year relationship because I found. Oh, sorry, I'm getting a little emotional here because uh, that's okay. It, it means a lot to me, and yeah. it just kind of uh, who I am today was because of uh, meeting him. I didn't break up with my ex for my current boyfriend. You know, I realized that I love who I am when I was with him. And it's just as simple as that, you know, loving myself a lot more. And I enjoyed myself. So I like myself being around him and who I am. And, um, and yeah. And, um, my ex-boyfriend at the time, he obviously knew something was going on. And he didn't like that I was with all these new people because I think he was, he felt like he was losing me. So he was trying to take control. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he ended up breaking up with me first, actually. Uh, and then a few days later, he called me like nothing happened. And <laughs> I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no. Because I guess I'm a person who, if it's over, it's over. Do you struggle with how your body looks during sex? You're not alone. Growing up as little girls, most of us learned that our worth was entirely tied to how we look. We saw TV shows and movies and fashion magazines that showed a very narrow range of bodies, 
and we were told that those were the perfect desirable bodies. The message, if you don't look like that, you're not worthy of love. But here's the not so secret secret. They're lying. There are people who want to love you in the body you're in today. I promise they want to see your body. They want to touch your body. They want to worship your body. I promise. But even if a person is already touching you, if you don't believe you're worthy of their time, attention, affection, you'll never let yourself relax enough to enjoy it. And you deserve to relax. You deserve to let yourself be seen and touched and worshipped. You deserve to experience pleasure without thinking about how much your arms jiggle. You deserve to have sex in any position you want, not just the one where you think you look the thinnest. Would you tell your daughter or sister or best friend that they don't deserve love because they don't look like Kim Kardashian? Of course not. So let's do something to help you stop saying that to yourself. I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life. And I would be honored to be your coach on the journey to get there. I'm queer, kinky, and non-monogamy friendly, and I would love to talk with you. So for more information and to schedule your free discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. That's leahcarry.com forward slash coaching for your free discovery call. That link is in the episode description on the app you're listening on now. Back to the show. I really liked what you were saying a minute ago about how you felt about yourself with your boyfriend. That is how I chose my partner. You know, I was... I was dating a bunch of different people. I was in my time of like wild exploration. <laughs> and um, I had gotten to the point where I was sort of dating two people, my partner and another woman, uh, sort of more seriously than anybody else. And it it became really clear to me, seeing the two of them in comparison with each other, that mm-hmm. when I was with her, I was so uptight. I was always yeah. afraid of saying the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. I was so, I was constantly stressed out. And when I was with my current partner, I just, I had fun. Like I liked the person who I was with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was what allowed me to make that choice. I wonder if I hadn't had those two people in opposition, if I might have ended up spending a lot longer with her because I didn't realize that it wasn't like that there could be something better for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I think he came at a a very good time in my life where, because I think if it wasn't for him, I I would have definitely married my ex and Mm -hmm. uh, I probably have like four kids by now because it's, (laughs) it's normal for a 24 year old to have at least three kids. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about your current boyfriend. Um, yeah. <laughs> how did the two of you get together? You said he started pursuing you. Actually, he he knew my younger sister first because he's he's like three years younger than I am. Mm. And at first, that was very weird for me. I was not comfortable <laughs> with that because I'm like, oh, like, 
and especially in the Hmong culture, um, you want an older man so that he can take care of you, you know. Mm. But um, he started pursuing me and just kind of, he was just fun and flirty. And uh, we had the same interests in yeah. almost like everything. And we can just have free conversations. I'm not so uptight. I can just be who I am. Yeah, and I, I just enjoyed myself so much. Were you aware of how much he liked you? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, he was very straightforward with it, and you know, very try. He tried to do all this chivalrous, gentlemanly stuff, and yeah. you know, and that that won me because I I never got that. Mm. Yeah, and that's what I want. <laughs> yeah, is yeah. he also Hmong? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. So big points in his favor. He's the kind of guy you're looking for. You feel <laughs> good about him, and he's from your culture. Amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does he push yeah, you up but, against um, walls? Oh yeah. When <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> yeah. When I think when he first did, I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, I've never had this before, and but this is what I want. So okay, it's cool. Let's, yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> Yeah. So you had had sex once before him. Had he had sex before you? I'm his first. And I told him I was his first also because of of the culture fear that I had. I was scared that if I told him that I had sex, like he was going to look at me differently. I'm now my value isn't as high as it's supposed to be. Um. Uh, we were getting on and he made a comment. He he was like, haven't you done this before? And uh, I'm like, no. And I got, a f- okay, part- <laughs> partially because I got offended too. Because I'm like, whoa, who do you think I am? Like, <laughs> you- I'm not this like easy girl yeah. or whatever. And and plus, like, I was scared that, you know, he was going to look at me differently if he knew that um, I had already had sex. Yeah. So I held that from him for almost four years. He wow, yeah. So yeah, it yeah. I did not tell him the truth until just really, really recently. Uh, maybe sometimes last year. What gave you the courage to tell him what <laughs> changed? He was okay. It was more of my internal issues with myself. Um, but we were okay, but I stopped wanting to have sex with him. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, we, when we first got together, we, we had sex like rabbits. <laughs> we were, you know, <laughs> it was, and, like he was, he was like 19, 20 years old. And I was like, yeah. you know, 22, 23. And, you know, uh, sex was fun. Sex was new. Sex was good. Um, yeah. but then eventually, the age thing, uh, it, it's only three years difference, but it, it it keeps creeping back up on me because my parents actually didn't really like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they liked my ex-boyfriend because my ex-boyfriend and I were perfect on paper. We were mm-hmm. the perfect couple on paper. You know, uh, sure. it would be the couple that my parents would be proud to present to the relatives. Mm-hmm. And but with my current boyfriend. Oh, first of all, he can't really speak Hmong because he came from a more modern upraising um, with his family. And um, I'm more traditional. And my ex-boyfriend was much more traditional. Uh, so my parents was like, why would you leave your ex for this guy who isn't as good looking or 
um, as smart, you know, all that stuff. But, uh, so it, yeah, even, you know, and, um, my, my, I remember my dad saying something about, you know, dating a young guy, like eventually you, you're going to get old and he's going to want a younger girl. Oh, yeah. And, and that's a big, big impact. Um, yeah. Part of the culture, the older guys want younger girls and that, knowledge of that part of the culture affected my body image a lot Mm -hmm. but yeah and you know uh my dad said that and it started yeah it started getting to me where i'm like oh what if what if he's only using me what if he's only with me because Mm -hmm. i i will give him sex you know yeah so it was all in my head you just mentioned body image. And so I'm, I'm curious to know what your relationship is with your body. How do you feel about your body? Um, right now I'm doing okay with it. Um, you know, there are uh, days where I'm just like, I don't want my body. There are days where I just not comfortable in my body. And I look at myself and I'm like, oh, if, only my shoulder was a little smaller and I look more petite and cute because Hmong girls are usually petite and short and cute. And I'm not that. And my mom actually, uh, she made a comment when I was much younger where she said, uh, I, I, I think my aunt bought me a, a shirt and I wore it to show my parents and my mom said, oh, your your head is too small for your body or and you have mm. your calves are as big as your dad's. Mm. And at first it didn't really I'm just like it didn't really dawn on me too much. But then uh, in high school, when I was in this dance group, Hmong dance group, we were practicing to perform. And then we went to one of the girls on to take our measurements for our costumes and after measuring up all of our measurements, she looked at the paper and she's like, oh, who's this girl with the broad shoulders? Oh, and, God. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and like, everybody just kind of looked at me and, like, giggled. Like, oh, that's you. She's talking about you. And, and I think that just kind of solidified what my mom had said. And, um, and, like, today, like, if I look at someone, like, the shoulders would be the first thing I look at if mm-hmm. I see someone. And, like... Like, I don't do it consciously, you know, I just, I, I just do it. And I'm like, oh, she's, she's petite, she's cute, then she's automatically beautiful. Mm. And, uh, and then, you know, yeah, yeah. And I look at myself and I'm like, oh, I, I, I wish my shoulder was a little smaller. My frame, I wish my frame was a little smaller so that I'm cute and beautiful. Yeah. I, I do the same thing with my legs. Mm-hmm. Like, my mm-hmm. father, made a lot of comments about my legs and how they were ugly. And mm-hmm. the first thing I look at on any woman that I see is her legs. Mm-hmm. And it's not a sexual thing. It's not yeah. like, I, oh, I want you because of your legs. It's because I'm like fascinated but what by what pretty legs look like. And mm-hmm. what would it be like to live with those? I'm yeah. the same with legs too. Yeah, mm. I'm the same with legs too. Because my I do have muscular calves. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably admire your legs. Oh, thank you. <laughs> because to me, that's beautiful. Oh. <laughs> so you said that petite girls are considered beautiful. How tall are you? Um, I'm five, 
three, around five to five three, around there. That's pretty so petite. <laughs> oh, is it? Um, I'm actually considered tall for a Hmong girl. Wow. Yeah. Because oh a lot of Hmong girls are either five below. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, okay, let's, uh, we've sort of circled all around the block here. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's go back to talking about sex with your current boyfriend. Yeah. Um, you said in the beginning you were having sex like rabbits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was it good right away or did it take some time to get there? Um, you know, I think it, it took time. I, I pretended that it was good. Uh, <laughs> yes. it was a, yeah, it was a lot of a lot of performing at the beginning. And um, but yeah, it eventually got better. Do you have a sense of what happened that allowed it to get better? Was there conversation between you? Was it just one or both of you relaxing? Like what happened? Mm, I think it was probably conversation. Not really, because we we we're open to talking about sex, but I'm less at the time I was less open to exploring myself and it was more about his pleasure, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, uh, I remember the first time I, I gave him a blowjob, like I did not want any penis in my mouth. Like I yeah. blowjobs were like, I thought, you know, I thought it was disgusting. Like that shouldn't go in my mouth. Um, but he really wanted it. And eventually I caved in and, uh, I gave him a little, it, it didn't last long. It was just like, you know, um, a little bit. And then I said, nope, I'm, that was disgusting. I'm done. I didn't tell him that I didn't like it. Uh, I just told him that I wasn't ready for it, but, um, uh, but I know that he, he liked it a lot. He really wanted it. So I did it for him. And, um, like he would go down me too. And I remember, uh, I think I was starting to focus on my pleasure where he had to go down me first or pleasure me first. I think he said something along the lines of like, must I pleasure you before I get anything out of it or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it took me aback and I'm just like, wait a minute. Like I was pleasuring you all this time. And once I started focusing on me, it's like not fun anymore or something. And mm-hmm. so I felt I have to give him pleasure before he can t- uh, attend to my pleasure. Mm-hmm. But we, we totally grew from there. Uh, now it's all about me first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's Good perfectly man. okay. With, yeah. He's perfectly okay with that mm-hmm. now. But at the time he was also very young and all his sexual I- concept and ideas were whatever he learned from porn. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's very much what that sounds like. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I wondered. <laughs> so um, you mentioned that some. T- I think you said it was about last year. You, the two of you, went through a period where you weren't really interested in sex. Mm-hmm. What was going on? That like was it a physical thing? Was it an emotional thing? Um, I I still wanted a lot of physical touch and physical intimacy, but I just didn't want to have sex. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really important distinction, by mm-hmm. the way, incredibly yeah. important. Yeah. yeah. I was, my family was going through some situation where my younger brother 
was arrested, and it it brought up some old trauma that I don't think I've ever really talked about. I was just uncomfortable in my own body, and I just didn't want to have sex with them, and um, and I felt like we were starting to distant a little bit because, like. He would try to initiate, but I would be like, no, not, not now, not today, you know, maybe tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that would go on for quite a bit. And I felt bad for him because he's been so patient with me and so good to me. And he didn't shame me for any of it. Um, so that's when I was like, I need to get my shit together. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Can I ask you a kind of sensitive question that you're welcome to not answer if you want? Mm-hmm. Does this old trauma have to do with non-consensual sexual touch? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there were two distinct incidences that I remembered. I'm very wary about Hmong men, older Hmong men, because... Um, and our culture is very common for an older Hmong man to um, marry a younger girl. Mm-hmm. If I were to go out with my dad, people would question if I was his mistress or his daughter. Yeah, and um, so I'm I'm very wary of Hmong men and um, just the fact that I could get snatched up to marry an old guy that I don't want to. And so I, and I've always felt watched by older relatives, men, uh, as a, you know, growing adolescent, you know, my body's growing. It it felt like they were just waiting for me to blossom. Mm -hmm. And so I was just always uncomfortable with the, uh, male gaze. Um, so like it affected me to the point where it affected the way I, I walk. And I didn't realize this until, you know, when I started exploring myself, if I had to walk past a group of men, Hmong men, I would have to, um, my body, I, I don't do it consciously, but my, I was slouch, my shoulders yeah. slouch. Sure. And I, yeah, and, uh, I would, straighten my walk so that my hips don't sway even though Mm -hmm. I don't I'm not curvy I don't have hips but I don't want any unwanted attention towards me at all you know yeah and so it happened when I was a little younger I think we had when we have we host ceremony stuff we have relatives over all the time uh, from different cities and stuff so when that happens they were usually sleep over and I was sleeping out in the living room with uh, the kids so that the adults can take, you know, our, our beds. And um, this man came, it was in the middle of the night, kind of just laid next to me. And uh, um, he placed his hand on my stomach. I, I don't, quite remember what happened but I remember shouting in my head like please no please don't I was probably in like my early years of middle school um and uh but I I 
I was paralyzed. I didn't move. I didn't wake up. I just kind of let it happen. Hope it's quick and that he goes away. Yeah. And um, and he, uh, I remember. I think he brushing over my over my breast um and my genital area, but it wasn't. It was over my clothes. Mm -hmm. And but when he put my his hand on my stomach, it was under my shirt, and um. And that uh, didn't last long, but that was all I remember of that. And I, I knew it happened, but it didn't really come up yeah. for years after. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to check in with you. Do you know how common it is to freeze in that situation? To have that like internal screaming that's going on? But to at the same time be like, I am going to pretend that I'm asleep and maybe it will stop. Are you, do you know that that's common? I I think now I do. Yeah, but at the time at the at the time I I I didn't know what was going on. Yeah, yeah. It's really easy to judge ourselves um, for that response when so much of what we hear is scream, say no. Did you say mm -hmm. no? If you didn't say no, then you must have said yes. And yeah. none of that is true. Yeah. I'm really sorry. I'm and the too. fact that it happened over your clothes mm -hmm. doesn't change any of it, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, so all this stuff comes up last year. And I know you said that there were two instances, but I kind of don't want to mm -hmm. take you down the road of the second one unless you really want to go mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't mind talking about it. Okay. Um, it, um, it happened when uh, I don't, it must have been uh, in middle school too. Like a lot of stuff happened in middle school. Yeah. Um, and it happened at these family gatherings. And now that I think about it, like how easy it is to target kids at these family gatherings where everybody is just busy mm -hmm. doing their thing to continue, you know, make sure the ceremonial goes well. And um, at, at the time I lived in uh, the house I lived in, I lived upstairs. I had relatives living downstairs. So all the adults were downstairs doing the thing. The kids were upstairs, you know, playing around goofing off whatever and every now and then like uh, an adult would come up to check on us or to use the bathroom and uh i think i remembered going i wanted to go downstairs to check on the what the adults were up to and i went through the back stairway and this man he was a boyfriend of a relative it felt like he came out of nowhere uh he came up behind me and gave me like a, a back hug. Yeah, he gave me like a back hug, but it, he made it sound like he was greeting me. Like, hey kid, you know, what, what are you up to? Whatever. But um his right hand was on my right my breast. Mm -hmm. And uh yeah, and like again I, I froze up and I you can't mistaken it for anything else, but that I was groped, you know, because mm -hmm. um, it was it was a firm grab on my breast, and I didn't have a big breast then because I, I was still growing. But it it happened so quick, but it felt like slow motion. Yeah, and it, it he made it so casual that I almost like I had to 
you know, I, I didn't know if it was, it really happened or not. Yeah. And, uh, but I know that I, I know that my body froze up and that he, after that, he went downstairs and in, instead of going down, I ran outside and I ran to the school playground and I just, I sat by hidden, uh, I was trying to hide by the slides and I think I just sat there and I don't remember thinking about anything or I was just kind of blank. I think I don't remember, but I must have sat out there for a while. And like, it, I remember feeling the sensation of his hand around my breast mm-hmm. still, you know, and like, um, I think I was just confused also. And, and it, it just kind of validated how I felt about Hmong men. Mm. Mm-hmm. That you know they're always out for the younger girls. They're always out for younger pussy, and mm-hmm. and I felt very uncomfortable with that. Even though I've only dated Hmong men because that's where I was comfortable in, and that was it was right in the traditional sense. It makes it all the more interesting that you've chosen a partner who's younger than you are, because yeah. he doesn't. He will never be that older Hmong man. At least yes. never older than you. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so when all of these memories sort of came back, and I understand that you hadn't actually forgotten them, but maybe they mm-hmm. had sort of been put away in a closet. Um, when they all come flooding back, what did that do to you? Like, did you, were you able to go to therapy? Were you able to talk this out with somebody who could help? No, I was kind of figuring it out by myself. And I, I thought something was wrong with me, you know, like, oh, this is just, just a meat issue. I've only recently talked about these trauma with my sister and my boyfriend mm-hmm. just very recently. But other than that, I've never told anybody or talked about it or done anything with it. And, and when that uh, was happening with my family, it just kind of, especially I think in my breast area. Uh, I know my boyfriend loves my boobs, um, but I have issues with my boobs where, yeah, yeah it, I don't want them touched all the time, but he loves my boobs and now I'm okay mm-hmm. with it. But, um, and at the time, like I, I just didn't want to be touched or nothing, you know, um, like I want to be hugged and all that, but I don't, didn't want the focus to be on my breast. Mm-hmm. That makes all this t- sense in the world. Yeah. So I don't want to ask you to tell your sisters anything personal about your sister, but I am curious when you told her these stories, did she respond with something similar happened to me? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, we, I knew something happened to her and, but I didn't say anything because uh, I I don't know I don't know why I didn't and um, I was telling her that I was sorry that she had to deal with that alone when I could have shared my experience with her and we could have done it together you know. Um, but I think I was just uh, partially in denial, partially don't I I think a part of me felt like if I talked about it it became too real. Oh yeah. And I didn't 
I didn't want it to be so real. Yeah. Yeah. While it might have been helpful for the two of you to be able to go through it together, you also did not have a responsibility to other people to share before you were ready because your nervous system can handle what it can handle at any given moment. And it sounds like your nervous system just was not ready Mm -hmm. to handle talking about it until later. And that's okay. Yeah. Hey friends, I've got big news. I am thrilled to tell you that I have completely revamped the offerings at Patreon. And by revamped, I mean, I actually created some. I'm teaming up with my dear friends and sex positive colleagues, crafts people Gretchen and Louis of Shackleton and Shanks to offer you gifts that you cannot find anywhere else. We've got handcrafted magnets, bookmarks, and keychains that are only available to patrons. We've got customizable charms that you can use either as a fun and flirty necklace or, if you're collared, a tag for your collar. And for our most ardent supporters, we've got a beautiful, handmade, naughty and nice spanking paddle. Other new patron perks include a monthly voice memo from me reminding you of the core tenets of your lovability, consent, and other important lessons from the world of Good Girls Talk About Sex. You'll get after the interview videos where I turn on my camera immediately after recording a conversation to share my thoughts with you, plus other behind the scenes offerings. Also, as a patron, you can send in a question by voicemail and I'll send you a personalized response. And there's even free entry into my 2023 series of online monthly classes. All of this, plus the knowledge that you're helping to bring the message of sex positivity to the world. I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are now either illegal or heavily legislated. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a contributor, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. You made a comment before we started uh, recording about how when you started listening to this podcast, things started making sense to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious what that means. Uh, just putting all of this together. And I was always sexually seeking to pleasure myself, but I never talked to anybody about it or that, you know, that it was wrong. And I I, I don't know. I, I think I just finally putting everything together and making sense of why I am the way I am. Yeah. How's your sex life with your boyfriend now? It's, it's good. It's pretty great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to hear yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> and how is your, um, 
interaction with your family, given that you have chosen to have sex with a man who is not your husband? My parents don't know. <laughs> I okay. will don't think I'll ever tell them, which is funny because my I found out that my mom had had me before she got married. And, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was because we, uh, I think at the time I was following uh, my, my school financial aid and it asked for their marriage date. And my mom gave me a date that was like a few months before I was born. And I'm like, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. The calculations did not make sense. <laughs> and, and I'm like, mom. What? And I was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever. (laughs) But that was like as close to talking about sex as we ever kind of got with my parents. Mm -hmm. Do you have any questions or concerns about sex or your sex life? No, not right now. I'm just very open to exploring. I'm listening to a lot more sex podcasts and presenting ideas to my boyfriend (laughs) and just having fun. And he's like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> but okay, you know, because <laughs> it's like this new me who's just like, ah, oh, like, I want to be sexual. Yeah. And like, it's fun to talk about it openly. And it's okay. And he's very open about it, too. Um, oh, uh, going back to when he made the comment in mm-hmm. the car, I did actually ask him why he asked why he assumed that I had s- I had already had sex. And he's like, oh, well, all my friends around me, they they were all having sex. <laughs> when I told him, actually, I was so nervous. I was so scared um, that he was going to be upset and be mad that I held this from him for so many years, you know, because there's just this men mentality that they have to be the yeah. first penis or or else like they're, I don't know, I don't know what's with men and virginity. <laughs> yeah. And I actually, every day I go home from work, I'm going to, I tell myself, okay, today's the day I'm going to tell him and it's going to be okay. I'm going to tell him. And then it, I just ended up not telling him until I text him. I'm like, I have something to tell you, you know, just <laughs> keep myself accountable. And he's like, right. okay. And then that night, I kept saying, I'm so scared. I'm so scared that like, you're going to be mad. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm so scared. And I think I, it was to the point where he thought that I was going to confess that I was cheating on him or something. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. And, and he's like, just tell me. I'm like, you're, you're not my first. And he's like, Oh, that's it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, holy shit. Was it ha- like, has it always been this like, okay you know (laughs) and he was like yeah that that's cool that's fine doesn't bother me like you're like we're together now so it doesn't bother me so and that i think Mm. that took a huge lift off my shoulders and i think that also allowed me to be explorative with our sex life (laughs) yeah do you think that the two of you will get married i would like to see it happen because of what happened with my ex where I was, you know, it was like, I'm a little more wary about marriage because mm-hmm. with my ex, it was like, we will get married. It's this or nothing. 
But uh, a part of me is also afraid that we're that if we don't end up together, then I, I kind of just protecting myself from being disappointed or if we don't end up together kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, understand I think, mm-hmm, but I think we were both in the same mindset. We're just not quite there yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, my parents yeah. are so, oh, are very frustrated because I'm 27 year old and that's considered very old for a mom girl to get married. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like this is, you're supposed to have like three kids now, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for the lowdown. The things we're dying to know, but would usually be too polite to ask any good girl. Do you have sex during your period? Um, not yet, but I think I'm slowly starting to be open to the idea. Yeah. What's the approximate number of sex partners you've had? Two. <laughs> it's easy when the number is yeah. like that. <laughs> uh, we've already talked about some of these a little bit, but I'm going to mm-hmm. ask you anyway. Um, have you ever had sex with someone with a different racial identity than your own? No. And does that interest you at all? Or is your preference to stay within your your culture and your race? Right now, it's to stay within my race, but I, I do, you know, fantasies, but <laughs> other than that, yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite sex toy? Um, I'm still exploring, but right now, probably my hand. Great answer. What's your favorite sex position? Oh, um, I, I don't, I, what is this position? <laughs> um, kind of like on my side. Laying down on the side. With him in front know. of you or behind you? Behind me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you prefer to initiate or for your partner to initiate lovemaking? For him, because I, I prefer to be the submissive one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you generally more active or more passive in the bedroom? Um, A little bit of both, but probably a little more passive. Do you prefer clit stimulation or penetration? Mm. Um, let's see. Both. Do you enjoy G-spot stimulation? Yes. Do you enjoy having your breasts played with? Every here and now. Yeah. Sometimes. Do you know what it is that makes it a time when you're yes, I want to have this versus when you're feeling like, no, not really. Most likely when I really turned on and if he's touching me right, then yeah. And my body is okay with it. Then, then he can go in and play with whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Do you think it's generally easy or challenging for you to orgasm? Um, challenging. Yeah, uh, it takes me quite a bit (laughs) to get there. Mm -hmm. Have you ever faked an orgasm? Yes, (laughs) many. (laughs) (laughs) Not so much anymore. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So under what circumstances would you fake an orgasm? Um, Usually if I just want to get over with, yeah, and uh, a lot 
in our, you know, uh, earlier in our relationship when I just, when he wanted it, I'm just like, okay, come and get it and then be done with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, do you prefer the orgasm from masturbating or from sex with another person? Masturbating. Yeah. What's different about it for you? Um, I think just, uh, the, my pacing and just that it's, it's faster. Mm-hmm. What kind of touch do you enjoy most? Uh, very light feather like touch. What are your hard red lines? Things you, you absolutely don't want to do. Age play. Is that something that's come up? No, but I, I've kind of looked into it, but it wasn't for me. Yeah. I, I only ask because that's, um, that's something that I wouldn't necessarily expect to hear unless somebody mm-hmm. had been, oh, that it yeah. had been requested of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, my, my boyfriend is, he's not that explorative. So, <laughs> so I come up with all the new ideas. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Are there sexual things you've tried that you never want to do again? No, not really. Uh, not nothing that I can think of. I I know um, for anal we've tried it once. Uh, it was <laughs> um, he actually at the time he I didn't really want to do anal and he was just like he he just wanted to try it and I was just like okay <laughs> and he just kind of stuck it in and after like a few pumps he's like yeah yeah um i was my body was not ready for it and after like you know a few pumps and he's like okay never mind it don't look like you enjoyed it (laughs) and after that um i had asked him if he's interested in trying again because i think eventually i might be open to it but he tells me no but I feel like that's just him trying to be respectful of me and what he did to me. <laughs> so yeah, it is into that, like, let's do it and dive in. That is not going to be pleasant. <laughs> but there are lots of ways to sort of warm up the area and, and mm-hmm. gradually yeah. <laughs> introduce that kind of play that makes it a lot of fun. For yeah. People. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about porn? Um, I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. Do the two of you watch it? Um, we did like once together earlier in our relationship. And, uh, at the time, I guess I, at the time I was kind of in denial of watching porn. So I didn't, didn't really respond to him much with that. But yeah, I, because for me, I think porn is such a private thing. Uh, so it felt weird watching it with him, even though mm. um, porn in my childhood growing up was actually very funny and not traumatizing. Yeah. When you say funny, what does that mean? Oh, um, my my dad, he loves porn. <laughs> and um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, my siblings and we actually we found his stashes of porn magazines and porn movies and uh, we've watched it together, looked at it together, and, like, it's just kind of a curious, fun thing. Like, there was no sexual, like, anything about it. It was just like, oh, like, you know, just curiosity. And, um, yeah, actually, uh, my, my brother and I, one night, 
we we snuck out, climbed o- out to the roof to look through the window, and my dad was watching porn, and uh, I he caught my brother because I I ran inside first, and <laughs> my brother was so mad that I didn't get in trouble, uh, so he's hold that against me too <laughs> until now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, I love your family stories. They're amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So porn has never been like a, a bad thing. Sure. Or, you know, like my dad doesn't want us to watch them, but <laughs> um, it, it's always been like a curious, fun thing. Yeah. Um, Do you have hair down there or are you bare? I have hair. Yeah. Um, too much work to <laughs> go bare. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to assume from everything that we've talked about that you've never had a threesome. Do you have any curiosity about threesomes or group sex? Yes, I was actually talking to my boyfriend about this not too long ago. If we were to have a threesome, I would prefer to be a gr- another girl and um to and want both of their attention on me. <laughs> all about me (laughs) and at first he was (laughs) at first with uh he was kind of iffy about it because he's like oh pleasuring two girls is too much work and i'm like (laughs) okay but both of your attentions on me so and if it's like that that he he might be open to it (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) awesome (laughs) do you enjoy giving blowjobs i do now yeah um because it's 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 gotten to the point where I seeing him being pleasured is uh pleasuring me. So, yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you swallow? Not really. Sometimes if I feel very hot and turned on. <laughs> uh-huh. But a lot of the time I don't really swallow. Yeah. Do you enjoy receiving oral sex? Yes. Do you ever worry about your smell or taste? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Um, so, but with him, he's fine to just go in at it if, even if we're sweaty and, <laughs> and, and, you know, smelly. But I, for myself, I prefer to be clean and smell good down there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you consider the quote unquote kinkiest thing you enjoy? With the understanding that everybody's scale of kink is completely mm-hmm. different. Um, the kinkiest we've ever tried was probably dress up. Yeah, he's very into like uh, the secretary, uh-huh. <laughs> teacher, <laughs> kind of a dress up look, businesswoman. So yeah, we, we've done that. Um, I'm going to totally interrupt myself because I just had a question pop into my head that I don't want to lose track of. Okay. Um, you've mentioned that with your first boyfriend, part of what wasn't working for you was this sort of assumption that you should be docile and submissive mm-hmm. and that that wasn't exactly who you wanted to be. You've also mentioned that in the bedroom, you tend to be more submissive. So I, I want to ask you, in your relationship with your current boyfriend, I'm imagining that the way that plays out is that you're not submissive in the rest of your life, yeah. but you enjoy being submissive in the bedroom. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I'm 
all over the place. (laughs) 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 Well, that's actually pretty, uh, pretty common. Um, but that does that feel to you like it's more true to who you are? Oh yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. I, I like to have a lot of control and, um, and he allows, he lets me do my thing. And if I'm having like a control and anxiety thing going on, he just lets me have that time and then, (laughs) and then come and, um, try to work with me after that. (laughs) Yeah. Great. Thank you for taking that little detour with me. Um, back to the questions. Do you enjoy (laughs) dirty talk during sexual encounters? I think I would, I would like more, but we're not very good at it yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, I, I think I would like it more though. Do you enjoy laughter during sexual encounters? Yeah, it's fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Have you ever felt a sexual urge that confused you? Yeah. Uh, Looking up like older men porn with, Mm. yeah, age play and porn sometimes. Yeah. So interesting. Given that you have so much um, discomfort Mm -hmm. around the idea of older men with younger women, that that is a place. It's also, I should say, completely normal that are some of the things that we've felt less control over, or we feel uncomfortable about then end up becoming some of our fetishes. Like that is a completely normal thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's really interesting to see it play out in that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's your favorite part of your body? I don't know. (laughs) I haven't really thought about it. Uh, Probably with my face, but I'm slowly starting to be okay with my shoulders. Oh, I'm and, so happy to hear that. Yeah. 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 Good. Uh, what's your least favorite part of your body? My shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's something about your current sex life that isn't quite as satisfying as you'd like it to be? I'm not sure, actually, because since we're still, we're still in the very uh, explorative stage, So I feel like there's a lot of potential. Great. What belief did you have about sex as a child or teenager that you wish you could go back and correct her on now? Oh, so much. (laughs) Um, Just everything till now that it's okay. And that it's not your fault that Mm. you try so hard to protect yourself from unwanted attention um and that even if it it happened it's not your fault that you didn't you shouldn't blame yourself that you didn't try hard enough yeah yeah i hope that your inner little girl and teenager will be able to hear that Arblia, that brings us to the end of this conversation. Thank you so much for mm. having this talk with me. I'm really grateful. Thank you so much for having me and for everything that you do. I, I believe in everything that you do and all your, all your guests and learning so much for myself as well. Mm. 
That's it for today. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As a sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. If you have questions or comments about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Full show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. And you can follow me at Good Girls Talk on the socials for more sex positive content. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. While listening to this show is free, producing it is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I'll gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. Good girls talk about sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Until next time, here's to your better sex life. <laughs>